in our own lives as well. Today, the feast of the wedding feast of Cana is another one of God's manifestations of glory. It continues the same theme of Christ's epiphany, inaugurating his divine mission here on earth. It continues to teach us about the meaning of Christmas, that Jesus was born and became one with us. Today's gospel from John, the water becomes wine. The ordinary becomes extraordinary. And Jesus' first miracle is the inauguration of the Messianic Age. Whenever you read something from the Gospel of St. John, you have to be aware that his Gospel is filled with a lot of symbols. There's no other parallel of this Gospel to that we had today in any of the other Gospels. Sometimes when you read some of the Gospels, you can find them in the other Gospels, but the Wedding Feast of Cana is only found in the Gospel of St. John. Isn't it interesting that Jesus' first miracle took place at a wedding? We might have thought that since Jesus is the Son of God, that it might have taken place maybe in Jerusalem, capital, at the temple. But no, it takes place at a wedding. And sometimes to get an understanding of this, we have to take a look always at the, the bigger picture. And we get a Good reading of the bigger picture today from the prophet Isaiah in the first reading. As we heard, as a young man marries a virgin, your builder shall marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. So Jesus in his very person is the marriage of divinity and humanity. He himself is the wedding of heaven and earth. So how appropriate for the, divine, for the Messiah to make his first manifestation at a wedding. And like so many of John's Gospels, we have to take the reading and look at it on many levels. You can take a look at, the, um, at it on the level that it happened, but there's more to it than just what happened, more to it than what's right before your eyes. Cana would have been a very, very small place in its days. You could almost go right through it without even seeing it. It's still a very small place to this day. So being a very, very small place, it would have been not a very big wedding either. You know, it uh, wouldn't have been a wedding like you'd see at, at the Hilton. Um, it would have been like a little wedding that we would have back in our shelter house, okay? Something like that. Something very small. But the wine runs out. And that would have been an absolute disaster, okay? Um, like it would be in any wedding celebration if you're going through the middle of a wedding. The great 20th century preacher, Bishop Fulton Sheen, joked that maybe the reason the wine ran out was because Jesus and his apostles crashed the party. <laughs> so what's so amazing about this story is that the people, as I said, have already been drinking freely for some time and the wine runs out. Now you would, you would think maybe that Jesus would have just made enough wine, okay, to last for, for the rest of the night, okay? And then the people could have, could have gone home. 
But look how much wine Jesus makes. The story says that he filled six stone water jars. Very specific about how much wine that was. Each holding 20 or 30 gallons of water. So all you have to do is do the math. That's between like 120 and 180 gallons of wine. That's roughly close to 900 bottles of wine. Wow. There's about 450 people here in the church with all the children. That'd be enough for two bottles of wine for each and every single person here, right here in the church. That's a lot of wine, isn't it? A lot of wine, okay. That's already after the party's been going for a long, long time. The idea is it's a huge, it's, it's a, the beneficence of God is overwhelming. And that's the point. That's the point. Overwhelming. The overwhelming generosity and goodness of God that's beyond our imagination. As the story unfolded, Jesus' mother was the first to speak, and she simply said, they have no more wine. As I said, we always have to keep looking at more than just the physical realities of no more wine. Because the story has to be heard on all these different, different levels. And that would have been horrible at that time. But wine, wine is always a symbol in the scriptures of the divine life. And when we have, when we have God with us, we have his divine life in us, we are, we are lifted up, we are transformed, we are made joyful. Think of, think of the effect that wine has on you when you go out and have a, a fine dinner with your friends. Maybe you went out to eat over the weekend and you had, you had a bottle or two of wine. Just the wonderful effect that has upon you, how it brings you together, how it affects the interactions that you have with one another. And how indeed wine can, can make indeed the whole meal memorable. The wonderful effect that wine has upon us. Wine is good, wine is wonderful. Well, that's an image of the effect of, of the divine life working at work in our lives. It's a symbol of the divine life in us. And so when Mary says to Jesus, they have no more wine, she's speaking about the great spiritual lack, absence of God in the heart of Israel. She's the new mother. So she's speaking too about the, about the absence of God in the heart of the whole human race without God. Speaking about, the, about our own time, about our own lives without God. And sin, sin of course, is what takes the presence of God out of our lives at this time. As we read the story more symbolically, it's easy to understand then why Jesus calls his mother woman. Because woman in the Old Testament, story of Adam and Eve, woman is the mother of all humanity. And woman in the New Testament, she is our, is our Mary is our, is our new mother. And here she's representing all of us, saying joy is run out of life. And she's asking her son for this new life, for this new life. 
And her next line is the last line that we hear from her in all of the Gospels. What a wonderful line it is. Do whatever he tells you. She's the catalyst for finding new life in God. If we do what God tells us, we will find life. Paying attention to what God is telling us to do, that is the prescription for life. Do whatever he tells you. God always wants us to give God always wants to give us life beyond what we could possibly imagine. It's not always easy to follow his commands. But we know if we follow his commands, we will have this, this overwhelming life. And when we, whenever we listen to the Lord and do whatever he tells us, the ordinary, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. The empty jars will become filled with new wine. And we literally become a feast for one another. Today's gospel is not so much about Mary's intercession with Jesus or his rebuke to his mother, my hour has not yet come. But it's about the disclosure of how in our ordinary lives we can find the hidden glory of God. It invites us to consider how we can fulfill the command and how all things can become new. Jesus did not yet think his hour had yet come. But he adjusted. He adjusted his schedule. And the events took a surprising turn. And that happens to us all the time in our lives. We have our own schedules. But then God invites us and breaks into our lives from time to time. And we have to reschedule. And then his kingdom, his kingdom can break through. Today let us beg the Lord and his mother to make us faithful stewards, ready to do whatever is being asked of us, to share with others in the wine that God provides us with. As I listen to God and whatever he asks of me to do, the ordinary in my life can become extraordinary. Whatever I'm being asked to do this week, whatever chores I have, can become extraordinary. The empty jugs of water will become filled with new wine. And my life will become a feast that I can share with many.